welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunes. Got Bryant West, draft expert of the King's Herald, joining the show today. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I've had a lot of Duke basketball in my life the last two weeks. I feel like you probably have too. So uh, here's the most important thing. Are you, uh, you as sick of Jay Billis yet as I am? Oh, dude, I have to watch games on mute. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's actually how I do most of my film, even NBA stuff. Um, I throw on lo-fi in the background, some random YouTube live stream. Oh, my God. And a couple I of do... my clips, you'll catch that like I play the audio, and I'm like, oh, shit, my lo-fi is playing behind this. <laughs> I, I'll listen to a lo-fi when I'm writing, but when I'm watching the game, like I have to have the audio on no matter how bad it is. And I don't want to pretend like the national broadcasting team is is bad. Like they're good. At, ESPN is good at what they do, but you know, there's only a certain amount of uh, uh, any individual broadcaster, except for the absolute best of the best, that I can stand when I'm yeah. watching like five games in two days. So there are worse ESPN broadcasters to be. Oh, fair. for sure. One. I can think of one. Yeah, I got one in my mind for sure. <laughs> Uh, so like you said we've been watching a lot of duke last episode i want to say it was the last episode maybe there's one in between uh we covered paulo bancaro who is probably going to be the first guy taken from duke uh duke could have i mean what they're gonna have four or five guys in this draft and i think it's five three and three in the first round for sure Trev- mm-hmm. keels may or may not go back he'd be a he'd be borderline first second rounder to me um and then uh wendell moore oh yeah 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 he's definitely a second rounder so yeah five seems reasonable yeah um so got a good little session watching all of those guys but today's focus after the previous one again was paulo bancaro is aj griffin um this was your og draft crush uh called it going into the process and mm-hmm. Bryant just wrote his we just got the first profile up of this draft cycle on the King's Herald and Bryant wrote a phenomenal profile he's ridiculously good at this for anybody somehow unaware um, definitely check that out on the King's Herald and yeah okay we'll just go through the basic numbers I was going to throw a question your way but we'll get the basics out of the way here first um AJ Griffin is an 18-year-old freshman, and he was 6'6 with a 6'11 wingspan, um, 225 pounds. His averages in his freshman year at Duke were 10.4 points, 3.9 rebounds, one assist, half a steal, 0.6 blocks, uh, 0.6 turnovers per game, and that's in 39 games played, 24 minutes per night on 49% from the field, 44% from three, and 79% from the free throw line. Brian, we have to start with the shooting, no? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that it's the obvious thing when you're talking about A.J. Griffin. Uh, if it wasn't for Jabari Smith, he'd definitely be the best shooter in this class. I think it's more of a debate when the two of them are there, but he's an absolutely ridiculous shooter, and it's not like it's a low-volume trickery, as I wrote about in my profile. Uh, I'll just go through the numbers right here. Um, as you said, from the three-point line, um, 45.6% shooter on all jump shots in the half court, 97th percentile. 
45.7% on all catch and shoot shots in the half court, 95th percentile. And uh, catch and shoot shots accounted for a whopping 42% of all of his offensive, uh, of all of his shots taken at Duke. Uh, 45.3% shooter on all dribble, dribble jumpers, 46.3% shooter on all possessions in the half court, um, 79.2% from the free throw line, and 49.3% on all shots over the course of the season. So uh, an absolutely ridiculous shooter. Um, and, and I'll just start with you because I wrote about it in my profile. Did you ever just like stare at his form and wonder how a guy with those mechanics is that elite? Yeah, it was a little weird. Um, I mean, I think I like went into because I don't watch all too much throughout the year. I kind of watch as the, the tournament's starting and then get caught up on everything previously that's taken on taken place in the year. So I already knew going into it, he was an elite three-point shooter. So I did notice it, but I kind of was already expecting a good shot anyways, um, at least a good conversion rate. The wide stance that you point out is probably the standout, though. Um, saw some people point out of like, you know, it's a little low and like, oh, could he could he get blocked more at the NBA level? Like, I don't really think so. Um, the wide stance is what stood out to me as the outlier, though. Yeah. Um, I The only other thing, and, and our buddy PD Webb pointed this out in his own profile of uh, Griffin's shooting mechanics, and I didn't notice this until he wrote about it. Like, Griffin's um, guide hand really does clutch over the top of the ball which seems a real flaw for a dude trying to shoot the basketball. But like the numbers just back his shooting mechanics up to the extreme. And he's always been this kind of shooter. He's always been a dude who shoots at a ridiculously high level, even though that form doesn't look like it's, it's not Clay Thompson. You know, that's the, that's the uh, ideal basic shooting mechanic, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I wrote about this in my piece. What does look the form of an elite shooter is how he moves around the court without the basketball. Yeah, his balance is is phenomenal. Um, it, it's hard to. Like, I almost feel like we're underselling it for anybody unaware. Like elite, elite three point shooter. The numbers capital that Bryant e. went through. Yeah, it's capital E L I T E. Like every letter capitalized in this in this situation. Like. I don't see a world where Griffin's not a ridiculous three-point shooter at the NBA level. Um, you already saw him play a little bit of a more complimentary role at Duke, so it's not that hard to... You don't have to imagine something necessarily if you're thinking of him in a little bit of a lesser role. Um, and just can't undersell like how ridiculous of a three-point shooter Griffin is. And it's important to start with that because it unlocks so much of the rest of his game. Um, yeah. and, and by the way, it's on 4.1 three-point attempts per game, which he only shot 7.6 times per, per game. So I, I think you pointed this out already, but more than half of his field goal attempts are from beyond the arc. Um, he, it's coming off of movement. There's there's um, a lot of spot-ups, but there is movement shooting and, and a reason for optimism with that. Um, there's even off-the-dribble creation. Um, mm -hmm. I guess we can go there. You have, uh, in your piece, you have a lot of clips that are great. I know you tweeted it out as well. Um, there's some off-the-dribble creation from beyond the arc that is 
really what catches your eye when you're thinking about a ceiling. Yeah. Cause it, it's important to know, like if you just sat down and watched any random Duke game this year, you're going to just see him a lot in the corners in the wings, just waiting for Paulo Bancaro or uh, Wendell Moore, Tre- Tre- Trevor Keels or Jeremy Roach to pass in the mall. And like, there was a lot of these games where I'm watching back and I'm just like, what? why is coach K only use him in those corners? Why are there no pin downs? Why isn't there any kind of more movement to try to get this elite shooter, the ball, especially, you know, every, Duke's paint was pretty crowded. Um, it's not just his catch and shoot that is really, really interesting though for his age. Um, he is a dangerous movement shooter and his one-on-one shooting upside is pretty dang special. Um, his dribble combo into pull-ups is is ridiculous for the second youngest dude who's going to be taken in the lottery. And um, it, he's got great balance, uh, good footwork. Um, his handle is is pretty dang good at a standstill. Uh, I get a little bit more worried about it when he starts driving to the basket. But when he's using it to try to keep the defender, you know, a little off balance and and just threaten enough, hey, maybe I'll drive. Like it's some special, special moments. Like go watch that Miami game or go watch any of the last couple of their best game of their later season games. Don't go watch the UNC game. If you want to have any faith in, uh, in AJ Griffin, uh, you know, being a big player in the next level. Cause he was just completely invisible in that game. But, um, you know, given experience and patience, we are talking about an 18 year old. I, I believe in his one-on-one shot creation upside with his 6'6 size and his 6'11 wingspan. Yeah, it's one of those things where there's flashes. Um, This is where, and you see this a little bit on the defensive end as well, um, he reminds me a little bit of Jalen Brown. And Jalen wasn't a shooter at the time. Um, so they're, they're different in that way, but more of a, like, they're just so raw, but you see the moments where they work. Um, and the space creation is one of those things for AJ Griffin. Um, I I mean, he just didn't have like all that much, I don't know if freedom is the right word, but it wasn't attempted all that often. Like Mm -hmm. there's 12 games where he shot the ball five times or less. Yeah. And there's. He had 11. no leash. Yeah, there's 11 yeah. where he has double digits. There's only one game he shot the ball more than 13 times. Yeah. Um, which I know is an okay amount of shots, but not for a top prospect like this. He's not a lottery pick because of, um, you know, total production at the college level. And, you know, this happens with these kind of guys, especially with a coach who is is as impatient as Coach K was. Um, but you know, to go back to the space creation thing, this isn't a dude who's going to create advantages on his own. Um, he's not going to, he doesn't have a, I would hesitate to even call it a good first step. He doesn't have much of a first step. Um, when he gets level with a defender, he's so strong. Like you talked about it, six 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 eleven wingspan, 225 pounds at 18 years old. Like that kid is built in a way that few 18 year olds can be. Uh, he definitely has the frame to be an NBA player, but 
you know, there's there's so much. I'm definitely concerned that the muscle mass that he came in to at Duke definitely slowed him down a bit. And you can see that when he's trying to do these creation moves, he just, he can't win at the point of attack. But what he wins with is just touch. Like so many of the clips I, I pulled, he just makes incredible shots because he's just got this really soft touch and, and shooters ability to know how to make absolutely ridiculous shots. So um, he's not a perfect prospect in terms of he's not going to beat you with athleticism and his shooting ability. But I, I, I just can't look at an 18-year-old doing the kind of stuff that he is and not think, well, that's going to be an NBA skill for a long time. Right. And it's not um, it, it's not isolation. That's not what you're going to see with, with this Duke team. It's not really him running a pick and roll. He did it 20 times um, all year. It's using that shooting gravity and attacking hard closeouts like guys have no choice but to close out extremely hard on aj griffin like we're saying he's one of the best he's right up there with jabari smith jr as like the best shooter in this class which is extremely high praise like we talked about how ridiculous of a shooter jabari is um and then that's what gets you this whole 64.9 percent 88th percentile around the basket and non-post-ups from aj griffin um there's I don't know. There wasn't too much of an in-between game. Um, it was okay. It was okay, but I don't know. It's just not his, not there weren't those shots weren't there for him or something. He really should yeah. be taking all too much at Duke. Um, maybe there's potential there. I mean, the touch I, I would expect if he decided to take mid-range shots that it would go down from there. But I think it's fine that he only is primarily being at the rim and, and at the, from beyond the three point arc. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, while there are moments, I, I like your wording of when he was on, when he stands still, the creation is intriguing. Um, when there's a little bit more movement <laughs> is where things get worrisome and where yeah. I get like my Jalen Brown flashbacks where I'm like, this guy is not in control at all right now. Yeah. And we still know that Jalen Brown's handles uh, are, are probably his biggest offensive weakness, right? So this isn't... Um, you know, there is a difference between being really good with shooting in a uh, in a standstill or one-on-one and uh, starting to dribble into a crowd of NBA defenders. Um, and while there were some really good drives to the basket, especially late in the season, uh, for one, Duke's spacing just didn't allow for that more consistently. And two, uh, that's not one of the trans immediately translatable skills that uh, I'm ready that I'm ready to reject because like that's where his athleticism on offense really really does uh, show up because like he has to come off of two feet he's not going to burst to the to the uh, paint and suddenly leap off a one foot dunk Um, so it's going to be a transition but you know I want to transition this a little bit into more of his question marks moving forward but i i honestly feel like even as i say he got pigeonholed at duke as this catch and shoot guy as this movement shooter guy who made paulo's life easier at the very least you are getting that guy from the moment he steps on the court for your nba team he is going to be a dangerous catch and shoot player he's gonna demand minutes for that skill alone he's gonna He's really going to help the team in that 
singular aspect at the very least. And I cannot undersell how elite that skill is and how necessary that is in the NBA and how necessary that is for the Sacramento Kings. Because, like, let's be real. Kings have one above average three-point shooter. Trey Lyles is rolling yeah, his yeah, okay. eyes right there. Now. I'm erasing Trey I, Lyles again. I think I think I looked at it yesterday. They had nine guys shoot at least two uh, triples per game, not including the guys that got traded in the middle of the season. Only three of them even shot above 35 percent, which is league average, by the way. Wait, I, there's Harrison. I didn't see. Th- oh no, no, I knew it was Harrison. I'm going to try to guess because uh-huh. I didn't see this tweet. Um, uh, I don't. See, I don't I think remember. it's. Oh, I don't think it's Dante. Unless you're just talking about his Sacramento time, and then it's not, I'm not even convinced. Um, it's probably Terrence Davis before his I think injury. It's Dante because I was just wow, talking okay. about the Sacramento time. Um, but even on the entire year, uh, actually on the year he went 33.9. But yeah, the he played 17 Milwaukee, yeah. Milwaukee 28 and uh, 25 games, 5.8 per game though, 36 percent from three. Um, what Dante? In sac- so yeah, it's just those three games. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's the point. Sacramento Kings Griffin need, would be the best three-point shooter on this team. <laughs> ah, yeah, I, I, I wrote that in my article, and then I was like, that's kind of Harrison Barnes slander. Harrison Barnes is really, really freaking good. Um, you know, that's a selling point for A.J. Griffin. It's also a selling point for Keegan Murray, but, you know, we can talk about that later. Or Chet Holmgren or Jabari. Or, Smith, you know, but, yeah. It's neither here nor there, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. Um, um, I, off the top of my head, you know, the, the selling points for AJ Griffin is that he's a shooting wizard and that I totally buy a long-term ability as a one-on-one st- self-career. Is there anything else hmm. in his game that you want to point out as a true positive? Um, offensively, I'll just say the ball doesn't stick. He does a good job of making the next pass. You know, it's not like he's taking... He does make some tough shots that he creates for himself, um, but he typically is creating space before he's putting them up, like creating a decent amount of space. He's also hit some tough ones. There was one you had in there, I think, against... uh, It was like a halftime thing against... uh, Louisville. Yeah, there you go. That was ridiculous. He has no space. And it's a great example of the, oh, his form is low. It's going to get blocked. No, that guy was right in his face. He still got it off. Yeah. Um, I think the passing is just important. Like, you know, we're talking about elite three point shooters. I guess like Buddy Hield's name has to come up at some point. The ball doesn't stick in any sort of way. <laughs> Greg is never going to let that comp, uh, never going to let me live down that comp. Yeah. Um, it's elite three point you know, shooting. That's, that's all yeah. we got here. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I agree with you that the ball didn't stick in his hand. He wasn't a, a black hole. He didn't like, he was fourth on the team in total field goal attempts and you know for a guy who was uh, i think he was top 20 prospect last year and he was always kind of this lottery level uh prospect um and you know it would have been kind of understandable for a guy like that to be like you know when the ball comes to me if i've even got a decent look i really have to take this that wasn't who he was he he kept the ball moving i will not say that his playmaking is a strength at all um, no, not a good passer in terms of when he actually has to make passes. And honestly, like there were a couple of clips that I put in the piece and a couple that I didn't put in the piece where he either missed 
an obvious read to a to a open teammate or like the the right pass and just defaulted it to getting it back to Paulo Bancaro or uh, Roach, whichever one he could get it to. Um, that was probably the only time where I ever saw him get kind of that uh, 18-year-old freshman deer in, the, deer in the headlights look, which, you know, you can forgive uh, a, a kid playing a Duke, going to be in the NBA soon. You could forgive more of that, but that was pretty much the only time where I ever saw him be like, oh, shit, I got to do something about this. Um, and his handle isn't great when he's moving around and trying to like, he can get himself in terrible situations uh, and he doesn't have the passing ability to see when the open reads are there to get himself out of them. Yeah. Or an amazing handle to like dribble and kind of reset necessarily. Yeah. Um, can you expand on, you think that he's going to be a good one-on-one creator? I'm only pretty much talking about a one-on-one shooter, um, especially from deep. I mean, there are there are a lot of mid-range clips where if teams were gave him a lot more screens or pick and rolls than he had this year, because his, his pick and roll number was embarrassing. I think it was like forty or something. Um, it there are ways to open up the middle of the court more to him as a all right pick and pop. Um. I'm not expecting that he ever becomes this elite uh, one-on-one. I'm driving to the basket. I'm weaving through traffic. I'm getting there kind of dude. Um, but I mean, we are talking about a 18 year old that's 225 pounds and is just now getting um, healthy. He hasn't been injured since the very, very beginning of the Duke season. That's pretty much the first time that he's gotten to play since the beginning of his junior year where he wasn't suffering some kind of injury. Um, and like I said, he put on a whole bunch of muscle before Duke. I kind of wonder if uh, an NBA training staff is going to help him, uh, you know, kind of balance that strength gain with uh, more more agility training because he definitely needs that. But um, that's all kind of above my pay grade in terms. I'd love to see him get a faster first step um, and and – be able to get to the basket more because I think with his size, he could be dangerous there, but it's not a part of his game. I'm going to bet the farm on to me. The danger is if he ever finds himself one-on-one, he can shoot over most defenders who are going to be on. Yeah. And do you want to, um, you want to, do you have the, the details of those injuries? If you want to start with there on yeah. maybe where some of the concerns are. Yeah. Um, he, as I said, last time he really, really played basketball with his junior year, he missed most of that after a kneecap injury. Um, then he lives in New York. So senior season fully shut down during COVID. Um, so as I wrote about in the piece and as plenty of other smart evaluators have kind of questioned, you know, some of the instinctual things that we're talking about in terms of playmaking, in terms of defense, which we'll get into in a minute, it's fair to wonder if this is a guy who during the lockdown was really working on his shot. And I mean, good for him. That's what's going to get him drafted. But some of that instinctual stuff really to me just looks like a guy who lacks experience. And when you see an 18 year old with his level of shooting touch with his level of, sh- of catch and shoot ability, it, they don't jive together in terms of 
here's his elite skills. Here's the rest of his game. That's pretty dang raw. So um, I'm not going to pretend like his injury concerns aren't a, a, a big red flag. They probably are. Um, I'm no medical NBA medical evaluator. So who the heck knows the Kings may have already thrown him off the board because uh, they don't want to um, deal with another you know injury prone guy who was uh, had a bunch of ailments in his high school career. But I thought you almost said it. I didn't, I didn't say Duke. It. Don't do it. Uh, Don't do it. Oh. Shout out to everybody oh. that comments that on every single AJ Griffin thing. You're the worst. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Which injury prone dude from Duke? Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. They just Which had, one? yeah, they just had the, the legend Jabari Parker on this roster not long ago as well. So, and, and Harry Giles. True. Wow. I can't believe <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, slipped my mind on that one for a sec. Yeah. But, the point is that everybody, every player is an individual. Don't make player comps because of where they go into college. Just don't do it. Yeah. It's stupid. We're better. Franz Wagner that. is not Nick Stauskas. Is how you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I appreciate how many smart fans are coming out and, uh, and, and lashing themselves for that take now. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, um, it's, but it, you know, the injuries are a problem. Um, I, I think uh, his lack of instincts, which again could come from a lack of real playing time the last two years, could be something. Um, and I, I honestly, I, I'm not educated enough to really hypothesize this more than this. We just watched the Sacramento King dude add what 25 pounds of muscle and then really, really struggle to be the athletic freak that we knew he was until he kind of wore it off towards the end of the season. So fair kind of wonder if an 18 year old suddenly I think it was like 30 pounds. He was 30 pounds heavier than uh, evaluators had he seen him. Big. He's like, big. Strong. He's strong a big for 18. And I, like, and I don't want to take that away from him because that is a selling point in his game. Um, but he's, he's, he's got some real quickness issues. His feet are pretty dang slow and that hampers him on both ends of the court. And, you know, smart players have figured that out before. Never going to forget all the people said Luka Doncic wasn't fast enough playing the NBA. Now, Luka's yeah. on a totally different level in terms of skill and all those other things. I don't want to make any comparison other than smart players and a good training staff can figure out some level of happy medium for a guy once he starts getting into his athletic run. So. Absolutely. And if you go back and watch some of that high school stuff, like he was really bouncy and in, in a way that yeah. we didn't see at Duke. Um, it's hard for me to me. It's another one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to factor that into my evaluation, but it will give me like one extra little tick when it comes to like fact, like what is this guy's upside? You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like Paulo's defense where I'm not expecting anything really, but if you get something else there, then great. But that's not why you're drafting him. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, pretty fair. It, whatever athleticism you saw in him in high school, if you are expecting him to get all of that back, that you just can't count on that to an extreme degree. Absolutely. I'm with you. Um, Defensively, Brian. <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. Here we go. Um, 6'11 wingspan. Um, that's the list of positives. 
Um, <laughs> uh, 225 pounds of muscle is pretty positive. It's, he was he was pretty good in the post. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, okay, good in the post and strong enough, like long enough that he's covering fours, like some people are saying. Or oh uh, no, no, um, maybe like short. three and a halfs, like the yeah, fours yeah, yeah. that are like Harrison Barnes, you know? Yes, yeah. That's the end of the positives. Um, like, there's no bones about it. And and if you just I guess he tries got, his ass off too. He does. He, you know, okay. that's fair. He, I wrote this in the article, so forgive me. I'm just going to quote myself here. Um, he's very engaged on defense. He's more engaged on defense than most bad freshman one and done players are. He is loads better in terms of defensive motor than. Jaden Ivey or Benedict Matherin or Shaden Sharp that's at a high school level who cares so much but you know that he tried his ass off more than most one and done dudes at Duke do um, <laughs> but he's really bad he's got so many defensive issues none of them are quick fixes he's going to be a liability on defense for a long time Yeah. I mean, the tools are there, you know, and like, this is my main question with the quickness and like, does some of it come back with the, with the balancing with the weight kind of like you're talking about? Um, because that's what needs to happen is the lateral quickness has got to be better. And, and cause yeah. the discipline is, and just completely like almost crossing yourself sometimes. Like this is where, and we, we talked about this before the recording. I regret things right after I say them all the time on these things. And I regret the Jalen Brown thing instantly, but it's the viewing experience sometimes. And just like the things where I'm like, why did that guy just get crossed right there? Like he has the ability and I do not understand. Yeah. Um, there was one clip you had in your piece and you, I think you tweeted it out as well. I watched with a friend as well. And like, AJ Griffin just completely falls to the nail and then like spins around and tries to close out and gets blown past. And my friend said it perfectly. He's like, dude, that guy didn't even cross him up. Like AJ Griffin just like lost himself. Yeah. He did that to himself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much of his defensive issues are self-inflicted wounds. Like for a dude that strong, he gets taken out by screens. Like nobody should. Um, he takes bad angles on dudes, and as soon as they get any kind of hip into him, they're past him. His feet are way too slow for him being that undisciplined when he's got a guy in front of him. Um, and and Lord, is he too worried about ball watching. He gets back cut at least once a game, I swear. Um, so, you know, it that is the reason that he wouldn't be drafted in the top six. It's why he's not in more consideration in the Kings range is because of that defense. Yeah. Yeah. In the Kings. I mean, shout out to Greg, buddy healed all over again. <laughs> horrible cop, horrible cop, by the way. We're just no, it's, around. no, no. It, I gave Greg shit for this the other night. It's not a, a terrible comp, but it just, it's 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 reductive 
in that we all know what Buddy was and we all know how much Buddy pissed us off in his last couple of years. And I don't want to put that shadow over AJ Griffin because like he seems a great kid. He worked really hard to do what Duke asked him to do. He didn't start chucking. He didn't start looking for his own. Um, so it, it, it's just from a, a it's a how dare standpoint. you, how dare you do yeah, that yeah, yeah. to AJ Griffin. Uh, it, I'm pretty sure Greg was messing around too. Greg knows. No, he said it. He said it in the comments on my piece this morning. So there you go. <laughs> and now he's going to be yelling in his car again, hearing this. Yes, love it. Shout out to Greg. Um, do you? What do you? What do you think the ceiling is defensively, though? Like, is there a good oh. defender in AJ Griffin? Because the mistakes we're talking about, I don't know how to feel about them being like fundamental mistakes. Is that like, oh, so he's just screwed, or is that like, okay, clean up the footwork and get a better understanding of defense, and there's potential here. I don't ever think that he's going to be a guy who you can put on a, a majority of guards and feel comfortable about. Now, do I think that an 18-year-old kid with his defensive motor, uh, his history of being at this high a level, a prospect, uh, and you know we haven't even mentioned this yet, his dad, Adrian Griffin, 10-year veteran in the NBA, uh, uh, associate head coach in Toronto, a, a pretty dang good defensive team. Like, there is no way that AJ Griffin doesn't know that he needs to be a better defender if he's ever going to be uh, a, a very well paid NBA player. Do I am I going to bet that he's ever more than a a very solid small forward, strong, bulky? Uh, can wall his man off and, and wins with effort kind of defender. That seems his ceiling. Average, average, like I'd kill for average. Yeah. If I knew I mean, that he was going to be, if I knew that he was going to be an average defender, he would be fourth on my big board. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, because the offensive is upside is, intriguing um, you know what you're getting in the shooting you have the surefire skill that is probably the most valuable thing that you can have in the nba right now finishing mm -hmm. is there um yeah it's interesting because as we lay him out here i'm like wondering do i have this guy too high to be honest it's all right i've been i've been teasing you with this for a week now are you ready for this i am you know I love AJ Griffin. He's been my draft crush for a while. I don't actually want the Sacramento Kings to draft AJ Griffin. At four or in general? Say they like stay at seven or eight. In general. I don't actually want it. I wish that the Kings were a team, a developmental situation, where I would fully believe in them taking such a complicated upside like AJ Griffin. But I don't believe that not until they prove it with a project player and they haven't had a project player turn into a meaningful contributor let alone star in forever i'm trying to think off the top of my head like gerald wallace is this where i get pissed about robert woodard all over again 
<laughs> develop somebody. Yeah, develop somebody. Um, like, and 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 it's not just like if they were at seven, like maybe I wouldn't be saying this with such fervor. But the moment the Kings jump to four, my expectations, your expectations, everybody's expectations, the Kings' expectations for that pick just got way too high for this kind of gamble. And I'm not just talking about AJ Griffin. Like you and I want these kind of upside swings. We've been begging for them to, you know, do a harsher retool so they could get those kind of guys. So they can get really high upside guys. But what has this team done to make us believe that they can develop a guy like that? Right. And, and, just imagine the expectations from the fans. Like, say they they traded back from four to eight or something, and they got a decent player in return, and they took AJ Griffin. Just imagine the fans' expectations, the organization's expectations for that guy. Like, to to they to be more than he is right now. I just I can't see that ending well. Now. I can't either. If they take AJ Griffin, I'll go buy his jersey immediately. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be all in. I will drive to your house. I will find your hard drive. I will remove this podcast from the web. I will remove these 10 minutes of me ranting about how I don't want him just so that nobody can pretend I ever doubted my draft crush. Um, because honestly, if, if I fully believe if you look at the ceiling, ceiling, the peak, of every guy in the Kings actual conversation, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, Saden Sharp, AJ Griffin may be the best fit of all of them. Like, isn't the number one thing that you could add to this team right now, an elite shooter who was also a pretty good defender? Yeah. Yeah. AJ Griffin yeah. to me probably fits the Kings better than any of those other guys. If you're talking about his ceiling, his peak AJ Griffin would be great here, but he has more than one swing skill. He has to be, he has to become a much better defender. He has to become a much better playmaker. He has to be able to show that he can score at the basket, given his athleticism limitations. The handle, yeah. The handle. He has more swing skills than anybody else in the Kings range, besides maybe Shaden Sharp. And all of those swing skills need to hit or he's like a fifth starter bench guy. And that's just not a player that I feel that this Sacramento Kings team on this trajectory with this organization's priorities can actually take. So I'm probably going to have Keegan Murray over him, which feels blasphemous even to me. But no, I, I get it. I get it. No, I get it. Logical standpoint. I'm surprised I wasn't there a month ago. But, you know, now that I've watched a bunch of his tape and Lord, did I love a bunch of his tape. He's he is. And I want to I want to say this again. I said it enough on Twitter. If you are going for an upside swing, I would rather have A.J. Griffin than Shaden Sharp because A.J. Griffin has an elite skill. You can see it. You know it. The stats back it up. He played at Duke, and his shooting numbers were insane. 
I am more confident in his elite skill than I am in Shaden Sharp's uh, athleticism translating to something meaningful at the NBA without being able to watch it against, uh, you know, at least college level players. But it's it. It's a tough one. <laughs> it, it it's not so much for me, but I'll respect anybody. Kenny, you know any. Yeah, yeah, no, not just Kenny. There, there's a bajillion Kings fans out there who want Shaden Sharp, and I'll always, always respect fans who want to go for the upside swings. It, it, I just, I struggle to believe that this Sacramento Kings team can take that gamble, especially when there's already an elite upside guy who played in college, who thrived in college, who has the tape to show us. Hey, he's got these translatable skills going against the best competition that he could play in Jay Nivey. So. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I mean, it does take a lot, like you're saying, there's multiple swing skills. Um, I think, so you were saying Keegan above him, is this a King-centric board or in general? King-centric board. Okay. And and general, I mean, yeah. let's be real. If the Sacramento Kings were fully retooling, if they had kept Tyrese Halliburton last year, if they didn't, then like, look, we're gonna we're gonna play our players, but we're not gonna just kill ourselves going for the playoffs. Uh, AJ Griffin might be higher than Keegan Murray because I believe in his upside more. Um, and that's not a knock on Keegan Murray. I feel like I have to say that every time I say something even <laughs> remotely rude to Keegan Murray because he's a really good player. But A.J. Griffin would make more sense to a patient organization. And I don't believe that's what we have. No, I don't think so. A.J. Griffin is a guy that makes sense to me, like specifically at like the start of a rebuild. You know, where, where you're willing to give it a little bit of time. Like, is Washington looking to start their rebuild and move on from Bradley Beal? And could he be there at 10? Um is he maybe something for Detroit? I think five is too high for me. Um, you know, I mean, he'd about... fit pretty damn well with Cade. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, I could see it. I'm still holding out hope that Killian Hayes is something. But, I, I mean, even then, you could do all three. Um, yeah. OKC makes a lot of sense to me at 12, obviously. New Orleans makes sense to me. They always need more shooting. That's true. And if he didn't work right now like they're in a position where they can be a little bit more patient probably like they have guys that can fill yeah. the role for now um and of course we're talking about going to a good developmental situation the spurs are sitting there at nine. Oh yeah and they go san antonio need somebody to shoot threes there if you, go, if you go san antonio i'm just i'm all in <laughs> yeah i'm gonna all remind you all that i had aj griffin sixth on my big board is that where he's going to sit, you think? Uh, yeah. Ask me again in a week when we do a Keegan Murray podcast, and uh, yeah. I imagine that's what it will be. Do you think you'll have Sharp lower? Yep. And, I mean, I, I, I haven't done the full deep dive on all 12 of those games. I've only watched, like, two of his games. So I'm speaking out of turn a little bit. It's but. tough. It's tough to watch. Um 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that I'm going to kind of have A.J. Griffin right near Dyson Daniels. Like I, they, they seem similar to me. Multiple swing skills where if they work, you really have a player here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fully understand anyone having A.J. Griffin like f- anywhere from 4 to 10th. Yeah, I think you'll be right around. It's probably going to be around eight or nine for me. Yeah, it's very fair. Yeah, he's an interesting one for sure. Um, I'm glad that we ended up touching on him. I know a lot of people think that people are probably, you know, the Kings jumped to four. Why are we talking about AJ Griffin? You never know trade back scenarios. We also clearly have no clue what the hell the Kings are ever going to do in the draft cycle. Like, we did not talk about Davion Mitchell. Jerry Reynolds was the only person out there talking about Davion Mitchell. And I'm not even going to lie. I looked at him like he was crazy. Um, (laughs) So, shout out to Jerry. I I can't believe myself that I second-guessed that man. Um, So, you never really know what's going to happen. He's still in the general area of where the Kings are going to be picking. Trade downs are not out of the question. Um, is there something with Jeremy Grant in five? Is there something with Malcolm Brogdon in six? Is there something with Kyle Kuzma in 10? Like, you never know what's going to happen. Is there a Rashawn Holmes for either 13 or 15, either one of Charlotte picks? Uh. Like, you you have no clue what's going to happen. And so I think it's important to research guys that maybe people think are even, like, lesser prospects than what they would prefer Sacramento to really consider it for for that reason so yeah um final thoughts brian um i hope he goes somewhere patient because as i wrote like three times in my piece if two of those swing skills that we talked about hit i think he is this drafts surprise star who we all should have seen coming if you could pick one swing skill Defense. What would it be? Defense. 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 Have a have a six six tank who finds some way to run around the court faster and learns to take better angles. Stays in front of his man. Um, talks more in terms of, hey, I'm not gonna be able to get through that screen. Let's do something. Figures out how to use the best of his athletic of his of his gifts to become a good defender. That's it. Like I said, you promised me that he becomes, uh, if that swing skill hits, he's fourth for me. But hmm. Yeah. No, I see it for sure. Um, I almost want to pick the handle because I'm like kind of thinking just screw it. Just give me the full-on offensive player that would just be absolutely ridiculous. Um, but can't go wrong with defense. I can't believe I just picked a handle over defense. I don't know what is getting into me. <laughs> yeah, especially um, for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. I, I think just in general. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know, Brian. I'm getting to the point where, fuck it, the defense is never going to be good. Let's just be good on offense. <laughs> hey, there you go. Dra- trade back. Uh, uh, get, uh, I don't know. I'm trying who's, to figure out a trade back pick? scenario for a bad de- for a bad defense. Trade the pick back. Get to like, six through eight get a bad defender and get aj griffin yeah i'm trying to think of one too yeah benedict matherin and aj griffin let's just do this aj griffin above benedict matherin by the way right yeah like 
the same type of thing and yeah. just give me Griffin over Matherin every time. Yeah. And that's not a, a hard sell on Matherin. It's just, you know me, I'm a sucker for high motor dudes. And, uh, and Matherin was high motor on one end. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to be Murray it. next week. Keegan Murray. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Um, and I will have my Chet piece done by then. I'm getting um, pretty excited with Chet. And, you know, there's there's whispers that, like James said, that maybe there's something that Sacramento has for potentially moving up. And uh, number two with the idea of being Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith. So going to fully dive into the Chet Holmgren piece here. And um, that is my plan for this next week, but also going to be watching plenty more Iowa Caught an okay amount of Iowa already. I think they might be the team that I've watched the most outside of um, kind of the prospects. That I guess we watched a lot of Duke games. This last yeah, I was about to say. Weeks. It's yeah, Duke. No, Duke's up there. Because even even like watching Ivy, I, I think there's two different um, Iowa games that I caught in that process. So, yeah, I'm uh, excited to get a little bit of a better perspective of Keegan Murray the upside is something that I, I really want to get a better grasp on how I feel about because that's the real question with him to me yeah um and should Sacramento consider him at four I'm thinking it's probably no but we're gonna see how that uh how that opinion continues to develop as we go through more and more film of Keegan Murray in Iowa over this next week and uh and then do a profile on him here uh this next Thursday probably um, but we'll figure out that exact date. And in the meanwhile, if you didn't read Bryant West's piece on the Kings Herald uh, profiling AJ Griffin, go do it. It's a good compliment to this episode as well. Um, you get plenty. This gives you uh, a little bit of an idea of who he is. And then you can go watch film to kind of back that up and, and cement kind of what, what we've been saying here. And like I said, Bryant's draft pieces are always phenomenal. So definitely be sure to check out all of them throughout this cycle. And all the other great work going on at the King's Herald from all the guys and gals there, of course. Um, so take a look at the King's Herald Patreon. Support local independent King's coverage. It means a lot. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And hear from us again in the next couple of days.